Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Happy New Year. I wanted to say today is the 12th of, 15th of, of January, but we're pre-recording this show, and I wanted to, I know a lot of water has gone under the bridge about this so-called same-sex blessing, how to make sense out of it, and how to deal with the chaos that's going on in the church by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. I want to welcome Father Charles Murr. It's a Monday, so Father, thanks for joining us. And I'm always happy to be welcomed. Thank well, you. You are Terry. welcome. It's a joy. It's a joy being with you. Always. Oh, are you kidding me? I, I get pumped up. I mean, wow. Uh, why do I get pumped up? Because we get to talk about Jesus and show how Jesus is the center of our life. Not a priest, not a bishop, not even the Pope. And this is something that I think us lay people need to really remember when this crisis in the church that's going on, to, to not get uh, demoralized by poor leadership in the church, but pray for them and stay focused on Jesus Christ. So we're going to cover that and much, much more. Um, Father Murr, I always like to do the reading of the day, and it's from Mark chapter 2, verse 18 to 22, and then I'd like to get your take. It seems like this reading fits right into what we're talking about. Wait till you hear this one. Okay, so, yeah. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were accustomed to fast. People came to Jesus and objected. Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but you disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of un shrunken cloth on an old cloak. If he does, its fullness pulls away, the new from the old, and the tear gets worse. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins are ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Praise Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm all ears. You're all ears. <laughs> God love you, Terry. I am. <laughs> Look, uh, it, it's funny because today we're going to talk about something yes. that, that, uh, that really this, uh, this is one of the major points that I would make to what we're going to talk about. And it is exactly this. Christ is being criticized for the way his disciples are behaving yeah. uh, because they're not fasting, they're not doing penance. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, we as Catholics know that there, are, there is a time for fasting and a time for penance. Let me give you a quick story about St. Francis of Assisi that I don't think many people know. Good. I love it. You know, a lot of people think that St. Francis of Assisi was this man who liked birds and just, you know, yeah. fluttered around and everything. St. Francis of Assisi was a tough man. And he was he was austere, and he lived a, a life of, of real penance. One day, and the reason I remember this quite vividly is because it happened this year. Mm -hmm. One day, the 8th of December, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, fell on a Friday. Yep. And in the monastery, they were all concerned, can we eat meat because of the Immaculate Conception, a great feast day, or do we observe the Friday? You know what St. Francis of Assisi did? Tell me. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He went to the kitchen, 
took two pieces of meat from the from the cooler, whatever they had, and rubbed it into the walls. Sounds a little bit crazy, right? Yeah, and he that? said, today is such a feast that the walls should eat meat. <laughs> I never heard that story. So, That's great. Yes, it's true. It's true. Anyway, but the point is, there are there are times in life to fast, and there are times to feast. Yeah. What is that beautiful? Remember you when you and I were young. Well, actually, when I was young, huh? you weren't even born, Terry. Okay, <laughs> that's how young you were. Uh, there was a there was a great song that came from the Book of Ecclesiastes from from the uh, I think they were called the Yardbirds. I'm not I'm not exactly sure of the group, but it was called Turn Turn Turn. It said oh you you've got to listen to it. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. To every to every season. Turn, oh yes, turn, I, I know that. There is a, yeah. there, right? Yes, there is. Right? There's a time for everything. Yep. There's a time for everything, and yep. this is what Christ is saying. There's a time for everything right now, and this is a point that we're going to. I'm going to try to segue into. Uh, right now, the bridegroom is still with the bride, uh, the, the 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 wedding party. Right. So why am I going to ask these people to uh, to do penance and sacrifice? I'm with them. There'll come a time when I'm taken away. Yeah. And that'll be a time for penance and sacrifice and fasting. Right? Yep. Good. Excellent. Now let me apply let me apply that to where we are today. Yeah, that's it. That's very important. Let me let me let me concretize that. Yes. For where we are right today in the church. Many of us, and I say this particularly about myself, born in 1950, are spoiled rotten mm. or were spoiled rotten because and I really consider this the truth of the matter. I was born, we were born during the heyday, the golden days of the Catholic Church and of the United States of America. That's the two things at once. Yep. Our country was great. Our church was great. Our country was growing in influence. The church was, we couldn't contain all, this, all, all the people we had. I'm serious. I, it was yep. a, a, a tremendous growth. The, the beauty of everything, of liturgy, the beauty of parish life, mm -hmm. families, it was all it was all wonderful. The bridegroom was with the wedding party. And then suddenly in the early 60s, I'm not going to mention what I what 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 might be what might be the problem. Sure. Saying, in the early 60s, the bridegroom was taken away. Mm-hmm. And we were sort of left on our own. We've been left on our own for many decades, actually, not just the last 10 years. Right. We haven't really felt in many ways the presence of Christ. Uh, we just haven't. We haven't felt the presence of the Holy Ghost. Instead of unity, we've felt confusion and division. Instead of understanding confusion, instead of unity, uh, division, uh, it's 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 a sort of uh, a, a lack of the presence, not of the lack of the presence of God, because you'll find God and super present in everything if you look. But it's not so obvious. Mm -hmm. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. His presence is not all that obvious. And we also had another thing that that uh, that we grew to to appreciate tremendously, especially as Catholics. And I'm going to tell you this, quite frankly. I hear Protestants uh, and, and uh, Protestants, anti-Catholic Protestants, because there are Protestants that are not anti-Catholic. They're rather good people. Mm -hmm. But I hear a lot of anti-Catholic uh, Protestants criticizing uh, Catholics constantly for our uh, adoration of the Pope. Mm -hmm. 
We adore the Pope. We do everything. If the Pope tells us to jump off a cliff, uh, we say, how high should the cliff be that I should jump off of? Yeah, this is what they think. We never lived that way. We never lived that way. However, I'll tell you one thing. In the 1950s and in the early 60s, if the Holy Father, Pope, Pope Pius XII, even John XXIII, gave an order, it was obeyed. Can you imagine, can you imagine Pius XII asked all the Jesuits in the world to stop smoking? Wow. As a personal favor to him, as a penance for one of one of one of his major intentions for the world. Wow. The next day, the next day, 35,000 Jesuits stopped smoking cigarettes. Incredible. That's I wouldn't want to be to be I wouldn't want to be around them for, for the next week. But, the, but this is this is because the, the Pope suggested it. This is magnificent. Just a suggestion. Yeah. So we did have a devotion to the Pope. But you know what we also felt, Terry? Mm. We felt that the Pope had a devotion to us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Back this, this was it. We had a loving father who we wanted to please. And that loving father wanted to please us. So it was a, it was a marvelous relationship. That suddenly has been taken away. That suddenly has been taken away. Um, can, can I just jump in for a minute here? Yeah, please. What please you're saying do, please makes do. me think of what Fulton Sheen said about the world coming into the church. Who's influencing who? Oh, of course. Of course and, and, of course. you know, I have to say, at the highest levels of our church, we're dealing with topics that have nothing to do with the salvation of souls, but more like the environment. And I'm thinking, yeah. Father, who's influencing who? So I'm wondering if that also plays into what you're talking about. Because uh, I, would, I would think that as a layman, I'm asking myself, excuse me, why are you talking about saving? You know, I have solar panels. I, I, I recycle my plastic <laughs> bottles. And you're making this a priority? Yes. When you're the vigor right. of Christ? To tell us about Jesus Christ, and you're talking about global warming. I, I'm sorry. What about the soul? So I'm just saying, Father, that yeah. when you were speaking like that, you reminded me to say, well, yeah, I think we've got we've taken our eyes off of Jesus Christ, and we've made it more. Imp what we've put our yes. eyes on is how do we live longer? You know, you got to you know, even even the vigor of Christ telling us that we're mandated. You have a moral obligation to take the shot during the you know COVID time. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I, this stuff. Unbelievable. I, if, if you would have asked me, fifty-four, I might say even thirty years ago, that this was going to happen, I would have said, "Not on my watch." No, couldn't happen. But it did. It couldn't happen. I hear the music. It couldn't happen. So, so well, this is exactly where we're at. Yeah. And you know, Terry, yeah. I was I was watching some. I was watching some. Father, hold your thought. The music's coming on. We got to take a hard break. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Terry and Jesse show. I have my good friend, Father Charles Murr, who always inspires me to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ at the church. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick, quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. You see that big smile on my face? You know why? Because I know I do, Terry. who Jesus Tell Christ me is. Because I know who Jesus Christ is, and I know who I serve. And I think this is the key in having a Christ-centered life is knowing your purpose in life. Now, Father, I was mentioning something. We got interrupted by the hard break. 
which was, I said, the world has influenced the church so much to talk about, you know, global warming and all these other things that have nothing to do with the salvation of souls. And then you were going to mention something. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I do remember what it was because it was, it struck me as a, as a odd and very important and something that I had, I guess, overlooked for a long time or forgot. I was watching Pope Paul VI. Mm-hmm. He appeared, he came to the United States of America. Oh, that's right. When was it? 19? I want to say 66 uh, or 7, was it? Or was, was it, it that late? I, I think so, or 65. Well, it was 65. Well, 65. Right after the council, I know it was. Whatever, whatever it was, yeah. he came and he spoke to the United Nations. Yes, among that's, other right. Things. that's right. And, and I was... I, I listened to it like, like we all did. I listened to it without hearing it. Huh. Today I'm older and I'm hearing it. I'm listening to it and hearing it. And one of the things that he said I found very disturbing because it's also something that uh, Pope Francis has recently been saying. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, the Pope praised the United Nations Oh. For being the hope of for being the hope of mankind. Oh boy, that was a mistake. Yes, or so. I, you know, I, I really should have the quote. Uh, I should I shouldn't uh, quote him. I just say that he said that. He said something to that very much to that effect. Let yeah. me put it that way. Yeah. Uh, it it startled me to hear it. It startled well, me to hear it I, because I said to myself right then, this is 1965. Then. This is about the time yeah. I'm telling you when things change. Yeah. Uh, we have Christ the King. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? The United Nations being the hope for anything? Uh, you know, give me a break. Uh, but but this is this is the world. The world has the solution. Yeah. Man has the solution. Right. Not God. Don't look to God. Look to look to man. No, I continue looking to God, and I know you do too. Sure. And I know I know I know. You know what? I would bet the majority of the world looks to God. I, I would agree. Because, you know, the majority sense. of the world. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, not, maybe not the affluent Western society because we're so fouled up. But I would say the majority of the rest of the world, yes, they look to God or to a God type in their life. Yeah. Yes, they look outside. We look inside. We're looking the wrong direction. Well said. All right. Well, let me bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Oh, Sheen ahead. I'm, I'm just finishing a book called 30-Day Eucharistic Revival, a retreat with St. Peter Julian Emmard. I had Father Don Calloway on, I don't know, two weeks ago to talk about his new book. I re- really recommend it to have a great love for the Eucharist. The quote is on page 153 by Bishop Sheen, and I thought this was appropriate because of the Christmas season. He said, the greatest love story of all time is contained in a tiny white host. And obviously he's referring to the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. And I bring this up because every time we have scandal in our church, I'm going to remind everybody, I think what you want to do, because this is what has helped me, and Father, you can give me your take, but what's helped me is to go make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament and acknowledge that Jesus is here for me and that he loves me. At this uh, keeps my focus on what's most important, which is my relationship with Jesus Christ. So I would encourage, as the time goes on in your life, whatever you know, things that happen, just stay close to the Holy Eucharist, because when you're close to the Eucharist, everything falls in place, and your love 
increases as you spend time with our Eucharistic King. Your thoughts, Father? Oh, I think you said it beautifully. Uh, you know what, what, what people should be encouraged to do, I think? Tell me. They should be encouraged once a day. Yeah. Once a day, those who can. Yeah. To stop in at a church. Yeah. And make a, we used to call this to make a visit. We can, yeah. To pay, a, or to pay a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Right. You know how long that took, Terry? How long? That took a minute, perhaps two minutes a day. Yeah. And coming home from work, I, I remember this. Women during the day when they had a chance, going yeah. to the, going back and forth to the grocery store, they would stop in at, at the church to make a one or two minute visit, yeah. just to pay their respects to the Blessed Sacrament. That this this is what we're missing. Yeah. This, you know it, and I know I it. Do. Also, something else. Tell me, Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen talked uh, to priests especially, but this goes to anybody, mm -hmm. to anybody who's Catholic. He talked about the need for a holy hour every day. Now, I know you make that holy hour mm -hmm. daily. Yep. Right? I wish I could say the same thing. I I, I try to. Sure. I do not always make yeah, it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's it's, times when I haven't done it. No, because, because you're a better organized. You're a more organized person than <laughs> I am, Terry. It really, it comes down to that. But I'll tell you sometimes, and I'm going to be quite honest here, and I want people to hear this. Uh, sometimes I go before the Blessed Sacrament, and I I... There's, I have nothing to say. That's okay. I have, no, I have absolutely nothing to say. But you know what I do? Tell me. I, I, I say, you know what, you know what, Lord. Here's the thing. I know you're there. Yeah. And you know I'm here, right? <laughs> yes. And and I and I look at it. I look at it like this. If I had to be with a friend, who for whatever reason was hospitalized or or just or couldn't talk or didn't feel like talking. Yeah. I've been I've been with friends who didn't feel like talking, sure. especially on road trips. Sure, I'm no I'm no less in his company. That's right. Right, and I and I feel also too. I think Sheen was the first one who used this. He used the example of a of an X-ray. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. He said, yes. It doesn't matter. You don't have to do anything. No, you're present. You're being X-rays. <laughs> the rays yep. are going through you. You're yep. being affected. And what I say to the Lord in those moments that I that I'm, I'm, I'm I find myself spiritually dry, uh, here I am. Here yeah. I am. I'm yeah. with you, and I want you with me. Here I am, and that that being with the Lord yeah. is very important. You know, I always leave refreshed. Yeah, I always leave refreshed. Well, Saint Peter Emard said on one of his meditations. This is the actual saint's meditation on Eucharistic union. Get you what you're talking about. He said this, until we have a passionate love for our Lord and the most blessed sacrament, we shall accomplish nothing. <laughs> Certainly our Lord loves us passionately in the Eucharist. He loves us blindly without thought for himself, devoting himself entirely for our good. We should love him as he loves us. This is a saint. This isn't Terry. This isn't Father Murr. This is St. Julian Emmert, who's the apostle of Eucharistic adoration. reason I bring this up, Father is I really believe that uh, this is the answer right now to keeping your peace in life. Because there's, you know, in the old days that you talked about growing up, it was imbued in us, our Catholic faith. I mean, I mean that, yeah. that's true. It's not the case now. You have to make more of an effort to really spend that time with our Eucharistic King 
so that our peace will not be taken away by the world and even by, I'm going to say it, priests, bishops, even the Pope, doing things yes. that are just going to pull us and say, I'm so angry at it, whatever person it is. You know what? Go make a holy hour. Go make a visit, even if it's a couple minutes. Say, Lord, I'm here because I'm frustrated right now. Please help me. Give me the grace to, 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 to fall deeper in love with you. That's such a simple prayer, and it works. Okay, Father, let's talk about what we just talked. Or, you know, we're, we're kind of saying, how do you make sense right now of Pope Francis allowing for what we would say a document that says that uh, you can bless in certain circumstances same-sex, and I may use the word couples, okay, which the church has never... I mean, it's almost like we're coming into a third level of, of blessings because the church never would bless sin. They, the church always uh, calls us to repent of our sins. And so, yes, if someone comes to you and says, I'm, I'm a sinner, I want a blessing, of course. But if I come to you, Father Murr, and say, hey, I'm an active homosexual, and, you know, we're going to be buying a house, me and my partner, John, uh, we want to come. Uh, can you bless us and come on over and bless the house for us? Because we're just excited about our new house. But they're living in a. Uh, I don't use the year, use irregular union because I'm going to be honest with you. That term bothers me, Father. I think we have to call it for what it is. You're living a sinful lifestyle that is not according with the gospel. And the gospel says very clearly from the beginning in Mark, repent and believe in the gospel. We need to call people to repentance. And of course, they have freedom to say yes or they have freedom to say no. But if you don't give them the opportunity to repent, in my opinion, this is just me, Terry, that you don't love that person because you you let them wallow in their sin. Your thoughts. Well, I've given you the example of the man who came in and asked me after it was two weeks in Mexico as a new priest. Yeah. He asked me to bless a knife. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I, I blessed every object in the world. that I mean, cars, motors, homes, this and the other thing. Never a knife and asked him what for. And he was going to use it to kill his, his wife's lover or something. Oh, my God. I said, I said of I course I can't. So. Of course I can't yeah. bless a knife that you're going to use to commit murder. Well, it is crazy. Now, let me say this. And I may get in trouble for this, but I don't okay. really care. Anymore. Yeah, we're we're getting over. Here's 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 what I've got to say to to any priest, bishop, cardinal, pope. Let me not leave out deacons because deacons can bless also. Yeah. To bless a same-sex union. Yeah. To bless a couple uh, living. Uh, living an adulterous lifestyle, living living in in uh, in, a, in fornication. Yeah. Here's listen to this. Mm -hmm. This becomes a sacrilege. Of course, that is a sacrilege. It is a sin for any of us to bless such a thing. Why am I saying that? Because because we we hate homosexuals. Because we hate people who are, who are living. Uh, Different lifestyle. Now we don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody, Terry. I was I was tempted to hate a few during my life. Yeah, I bet. I, I, I overcame it. I don't hate anybody. And as I, as, a, as a matter of fact, you know very well sure. that uh, I worked I worked with Courage, uh, the right. group Courage in, in New York. Fantastic, Father Harvey. Uh, for, for quite a while, Father Harvey was what a what a great man. Mm -hmm. What a great man. Anyway, uh, 
this is this is bizarre. Yeah. You cannot you cannot say this. I, I choose to ignore that completely. And I'll tell you why I ignore it. Yeah. I ignore it because I believe that uh, the that uh, Pope Francis wrote it politically. Yeah. I don't believe he wrote it religiously. Well, a lot of I don't. Us, if that I, I believe it was a political ploy for whatever, mm -hmm. for whatever. Uh, but I don't believe it was religious. And if it, and and if it and if it is, that's that's his sin. It's not mine. Right. Uh, what I what I let me reiterate though, anyone from deacon to pope who would bless such a union, the union, the two people mm -hmm. in that union, commits a sacrilege. He commits his own sin. It's very simple. And anyone who would ask me to do that has no right to ask. Them. Has no right to ask. Them. We'll be uh, back. No in matter a, what. We'll be back in a moment for Father Charles Murr. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Harry and Jesse Show, Father Murr. I wish we didn't have those breaks. When you're on a roll, man, you just said an advice for priests. I'm going to be honest. I'll tell you right on the air. We're going to take that clip, put it on YouTube, and yeah, it's just uh, get more and more people to to hear this, Father. I just when you were speaking, you know, you know, Terry. Sometimes I get the idea that you're what you want to speed up my canonization. Yeah, oh yeah, I got all kinds of data on you. <laughs> but Father, I, I wanted to say I said this yesterday on the Terry and Jesse Show last week, two yes. weeks ago, that abortion, contraception, and same-sex unions, all three of those, the world say, hey. No problem. Go ahead and uh, kill your unborn babies. Go ahead and contracept. This is a worldly view. And same-sex unions, come on, get over with the program. So when I said that the world is infecting us in the church, we've got people wearing collars like you who would agree with the worldview on abortion, contraception, and same-sex unions. And to me, Father, this is an example, concretely, that the world has infiltrated the church. Your thoughts? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, there's no question about it. Uh, the politics has 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 taken over many of the responsibilities of religion. Mm. We let that happen. Yeah, we didn't protest it in time. Right. They wanted to take over our schools, and we said yes. Oh my God. Yes, we want to give you money. Uh. Sure, give us money. Just take down your crucifixes. Huh? Yes. Oh sure, sure. Well, oh, we did that. We did that, and we did that with the permission of many bishops. Abbots, monasteries, uh, religious, religious communities. Uh, there's there's something else here too. Tell me. Uh, there really is a big difference between the political world and the religious world, mm -hmm. between politics and religion. And something that that uh, I, I'm a very loyal American, and I am uh, I'm I think I'm even more patriotic than than most. Anyway, I, I like to think I am. Yeah. I love my country. Sure. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when the United States of America gives foreign aid yeah. all over the world, it is with the condition. It is with the condition that the country receiving foreign aid accept abortion, abortion rights, LMNOP rights, yeah. all of this, the whole progressive package That's right. and if they don't accept that no they don't get the they don't get funding yep what i was really amazed and and elated actually to hear 
I heard some of the African bishops. It was fantastic. I love it. I I love it. I love it. I heard. You know what I would love to see, Terry? Tell me. I hope before I die. I hope before I die. Yeah. I would love to see an African pope. Oh. I would. Love to see. Would that? Wouldn't that, that would be, be magnificent? Awesome. Can I just oh, jump in just, and say something, Father? You yeah. mentioned the African church. I say this that I said this on the air that they're the hope of the church, and I'll tell you why. Oh. I watched a bishop, and you did too, I know, because we talked about it off the air, where he just gave his Christmas homily, and he basically said that, hey, uh, I can't buy into what Pope Francis is trying to do with blessing homosexual couples, and here's the reason why. And I tell you, our our parishioners, I have a moral obligation to help you get to heaven. And uh, so I'm going to tell you right now as your shepherd— that's not right. And I thought about it, Father. This is a guy, I think of my friend Bishop Joseph Strickland being outspoken. This yeah. guy, they got it. It's all over the internet. I'm going to put it on our website for people to watch this bishop because he's, he's my hero. And I'll tell you why, Father. And then you, you tell me if I'm off. This is a man who understands his role as a shepherd and the shepherd of souls. And that that's the number one point that the church is all about the salvation of souls. And he understands that to a point where he's risking, and I mean it, look at what happened to Strickland and others. He's risking yeah. being the bishop of that diocese because he can't compromise and say, oh, I'll just go along and have a nice spin on this and uh, well, everything will be fine. I'll still have my rectory. I'll still have, you know, whatever I need to be doing. And look at it. I'm, I'm helping the people still. So he could have justified that, but he didn't. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's uh, it, all of us are tested. Yeah. All of us are tested. And one of the greatest tests that comes along for all of us is, should I keep my mouth shut? There you go. And be, and become president? Yep. Or, right. you know, whatever. Uh, take the, get a, get a, get a new job, a new position, new anything. Yeah. Or should I speak up because it's right and risk losing everything. Yep. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that with everything. You know, there there is a there's a saying yes, that I, I think is it. a wise one. Yeah. Choose your battles yes, correctly, of right? Course, of course. However, this I think is a battle oh, yeah. a hill a, a hill to die, die on. on. Yeah. Uh, this is serious. This is serious. It, it, a lot of this stuff is serious, very serious, but this this comes right down to it. But when that when those bishops in Africa because he's not the only one. No. The bishops in Africa and in, in Asia, Asia, yeah, thank you. In Asia, they are saying they are saying to the United States, you know what? Keep your money, keep your money, and keep your your garbage philosophy out of our country. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right. When we want to talk again to, about being friendly to nations who want democracy, that's that's another thing. Yeah. But to to accept it with all of with all of these attachments, with all of this attachment, no, that's not it. And so, and this bishop too said. This is what the West is doing to us. Yes. They're, they're offering us money to accept immorality. Yeah. And if we don't accept the immorality, we don't get the money. Yeah, he said, then we'll remain poor. Yeah, that's impressive. That is, <laughs> that's so, that is so inspiring. And I would encourage everyone. It to really was. That. We'll have it, it really on our was. website by the time this show's on the air. And uh, you got to watch it. I'm wondering, Father, there's an old saying, follow the money. You've heard that all your life. Hey Terry, just on this, I'm, and I'm going to miss this. Yes, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> I, I, a guy by the name of Mike, I won't give his last name, wrote me. Yeah, just a couple of days ago, and he said to me, said Father, Murr, 
Do you think that the blessing of same-sex marriages or irregular couples and all of this, yeah, yeah. Said, do you think that that had anything to do with overshadowing the Vatican bank scandal? Great question, in my opinion. I thought it, I said, I said, you know what? You think? I'm going to bring that up. Yeah. And I think it, I think oh. it just made I think it just made the timing on it. Yes. Because because they decided that that uh, Cardinal uh, Vichu yeah. was was sentenced to prison for five years. Mm -hmm. That that was out that was out that was glossed over. Everything was about this. Yeah. Uh, and that was what, what was called the Vatican trial of the century. Yes, it was. And, and, it, it, and it's not it even. And it went away awfully quick, awfully quickly, didn't it? Well, do you, do you also think, because I said this, and I'll stand by it, that the German church that is so already, in my opinion, have gone astray for the teachings of Christ, but they have been a big funder of money, giving money to the Vatican over the years because they collect their money through a, 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 uh, their taxes. And so they've been very generous to the Vatican. And I know some people say, well, the Holy Father might be concerned that they're uh, going to go into schism. Well, he's the one who said, yeah, I'm going to be the Pope of the schism years ago. So, I mean, uh, I can't right. do both. And, and this is my concern is uh, th if they're right in saying, oh, he just did this to try to appease the Germans. Right after the statement came out from the Holy See, the Germans said, well, that's fine. We're going to continue to bless same-sex couples. Yeah. I mean, it didn't even affect their process. Not so I just don't see that as being a possibility uh, of trying to appease the German church. To me, Father, if a shepherd has to lead the sheep, sometimes just as a father, and my, I'm a father of four, that uh, I, I can give a story, but I won't publicly, but I'll just say I've had to lay down the law to my boys, especially when they did something stupid. And I, sure. I would put them in their time out, so to speak. And, and, you, and you did that, Terry, because you hate them. No, because I love them, obviously. <laughs> of course. You see, that's why I say what Father Bill Casey said, the most merciless thing we can do is let someone wallow in their sins. And here's my point. If someone is, is objectively saying, hey, I like being a homosexual. Yes, I have around 200 partners on the average for homosexuals. And then you, I don't want to, it's a family show. I won't get into the details. But what they, sodomy is a sin, okay? It never can be blessed. That's what our church has always taught. And here's the point I'm trying to convey. And, and that is, we have to admonish the sinner. We've forgotten that. And as the Holy Father and the bishops and priests, and we all, if we love someone, we tell them the truth. We don't try it's to. It's a spiritual use, work of mercy. Yes, yeah, spiritual, spiritual work, work of mercy. mercy. But you see, what we're doing is we're using genetic engineering of words to try to make this palatable to the homosexual community and make them feel like, we well, see, we love you enough. We don't, we don't want to judge you. We don't want to tell you to change your lifestyle. Just come as you are because Jesus loves you. See, that's not the full gospel because the gospel says repent and believe in the gospel. And I'm going to challenge myself, you, the Pope, everyone in the church, that if you really love someone, you will tell them the truth about the meaning and purpose of life. And that is our life is centered on Jesus Christ's lifestyle of his, his example to tell us with the Ten Commandments. These aren't ten suggestions. And so I don't believe, Father, and I'll, I'll give it back to you, but I'm getting kind of ranting and raving here. I don't believe no, that it's true love to not tell someone to repent and believe in the gospel. When, you, when we hear, and we hear it often, mm -hmm. God loves you just the way you are. Yeah. 
God loves you right where you are. God loves you just how you are. I've heard that over my lifetime. That, that's you'll, yes, and you should add to that. And he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you there. Exactly. And that's the part. See, that's the concern I have about what the modern church right now, that we're centered on making people feel comfortable in this world. Can I, can I just give it? I'll give a scenario. Let's say this homosexual couple is told by the church, it's okay, continue to, you know, be an active homosexual, come to church. As a matter of fact, you know, who am I to judge? Go to Holy Communion, make those sacrilegious communions. And then at his judgment seat, when they, these couples, they die. And are they going to be able to say, well, Pope Francis or this bishop or my priest told me it was okay to live this style. I can't tell you the amount of, of concern I have for those who gave him that adva bad advice because I believe they're more culpable than the penitent. Okay, that's my take on it as, yes. a, as a moral you know, a question. Very, if I'm, if very, I'm wrong, tell me. Very, St. Alphonse Liguori. Yeah. Oh, St. Who is, who is the father of moral theology, yeah. modern moral theology, said quite plainly to all the priests that if you do not correct the sinner and forgive him without correction in the confessional, hang on. You hang, are, you hang are on. I want to hear that quote when we come back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Father Charles Murr sitting in for Jess Romero on this Monday. Father, you were quoting a doctor of the church, St. Alphonsus Liguori, regarding the culpability of priests. Could you repeat that quote, please? Yes, St. Alphonsus Liguori, who is the, the, the do doctor of the church, and the father of modern-day uh, moral theology, <clears throat> holds that if a priest lets something slide without saying anything, without, without affirming, yeah. without correcting, we're not talking about screaming and yelling here, we're talking about correcting, fraternal correction. Or if he says to a person, which I've heard only too often, that's not a sin, when in fact it is, the priest, not the penitent, but the priest is responsible before God for that sin. Wow. Right? That's how serious it should be taken. And it is. I've got to go back to something. I just got somebody, some, some, uh, an, an angel, Fulton sure. Jasheen would say, my guardian yeah, angel I just sent me something yeah. on my phone. That speech by Pope Paul VI yeah. to the United Nations goes like this. This is the finest aspect of the United Nations. It is, it is most uh, truly human aspect. It is the ideal that mankind dreams of on its pilgrimage throughout uh, through time. It is the world's greatest hope. It is, we presume to say, the reflection of the living and transcendent design of God for the progress of the human family on earth, a reflection in which we see the heavenly message of the gospel. Well, excuse me. I mean, with all due respect to his holiness, yes. isn't that the mission of the church? Yes, but the world took it on. Huh? I mean, this, is, this is where we begin confusing yeah. things. Just yeah. a minute. That's our mission. Yeah. It's not, it's anyway, 
Uh, so what year was that? Yes, Did it say what the year was? What year was that? I, I think it was 1965. I think it was 65 that made the trip. To- and see, I don't recall that, but I'm sure you do. And, and here's the point again, Father, and this is our last segment. I, I say this, that the world has infected us, and it's almost like re, we're taking reverse roles uh, in a sense of the, the world is so infected, the, ch- the Catholic Church, that the Church has taken its eyes off of Christ and, and, and put its eyes on the world and become too worldly. And Fulton Sheen, as you know, said every 500 years, the church goes through a purification. And he nailed it. He said back in the 70s, this was going to be our purification because we become too worldly. Even among priests and bishops, we become that we want, um, you know, worldly uh, acknowledgement and not to live a humble life centered on Jesus Christ. So it seems to me as a solution to the problems in the church, it always comes back to the same. It's Jesus Christ. We need to have a closeness with Jesus Christ that the priest, the bishop, the pope can't take away by bad example because our example is with Jesus Christ. Because last time I looked, Father, at my judgment, when I get judged, it won't be Pope Francis, it won't be you, it won't be a bishop is there at my a judgment, it'll be Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to remember when we're walking through this valley of tears. Right. The, uh, what, uh, we touched on another point earlier, the idea of, of German German money yeah. being yeah. sent I all over the world yeah. and of American money being sent sure. all over the all world the money. and of French money and all, all of this money being sent by the first world, if you will, to the third world, especially. Yeah. Um, you know, we all know to be careful with money. Uh, money is not the root of all evil. Love. The love of money exactly. is the root of all evil, right? Amen. You can use money, and we all do it, and it's fine. But the love of it, be careful. My dad had 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 something that he told me uh, when I was when I was growing up. Uh, he always made a retreat, a, a week retreat. He he made a retreat one week my mother made a retreat the next week mm-hmm. and we all we always got stuck with uh, with when my dad or my mother would make a retreat we got stuck with uh, with a wonderful aunt who didn't know how to cook <laughs> to save her life it's funny and we, we couldn't wait for our mother to get back from retreat <laughs> but my my father said this he came back with a couple principles one of them was 20 percent yeah he could make he could mark up 20 percent and be moral in what he was doing Mm-hmm. He could not mark up 25% and remain moral. Wow. He, he, he got that uh, through, through the Jesuits who were teaching at that time. They were, they were serious about morality. Let's so. be practical. He also said to me, he said, you know, when, when you're growing up, you may think that the greatest temptation a man has or a man in, in my position has is, uh, is uh, the little blonde down the street. Mm-hmm. That's not it at all. Said, I'll tell you the greatest temptation that I have, and I have it daily. Yeah. To cheat in business. What an honest man. I mean, to say to that. Cheat yeah. Exactly. In business, he said it is a it is a constant temptation yeah. because it's so easy to yeah. do, and it's offered to you daily to yep. cheat in business. Uh, I think to a to a degree, the reason I bring this up, I I seem to think that some of our bishops are cheating in business. Yeah. Well, look at the corruption. Some of the our Vatican priests are cheating in business. I think, 
I think they, they're, they're happier with the, with the with the money that's coming in, and let's not let that stop our, our, uh, be a be a deterrent yeah. uh, to our happiness. Let's just continue. Yeah. No, there are times you have to you have to also say no. Right. You have to say no even to that. Yeah. No, that's that. But we we when you lose your moral compass. Yes. My dear Terry Barber, and you yeah. know this very well by sure. treating dealing with people, you've lost it. Yeah, you've lost it all. Yeah, because that is not going to help you get to God, and it's supposed to be there so that you become more godly. Yeah, by having a moral compass. But anyway, interesting. That's, that's well, what I say. Good, Father. We just have a few minutes left, and I wanted to. I don't understand where the time is going, oh, we Terry. Go, this is well, yeah. This is this is amazing that an an hour has passed. Yeah, it it oh. always goes by quick when we're having fun. And the thing about it is this: I look at our conversation that we have, and our listeners. You're at the. Uh, Denny's, you're at the, you know, breakfast, having breakfast with us every Monday here on the Terry and Jesse show. And you're sitting there and we're just talking about things that are going to help us get closer to Christ and how to, what I call, maneuver through the vestitudes of life. Because life gets messy. I mean, it's just how it is. But if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, that's the key in surviving this world, even among scandal. So, Father Murr, this is the new year. What New Year resolutions would you suggest all of us have to, be, to stay close to Jesus in the coming years of our remaining years of our life? You and I, I mean, we're at, we're rounding third base, so we can talk about that. Do you, do you think? I think so. <laughs> I think it's so. Reality. Too. I mean, I think so. I know so. I know so. I think the 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 greatest the yeah. greatest. Uh, the greatest goal I would have for this year, tell me, me myself, me myself, yeah, is to hear clearer the voice of Christ in all of this confusion. Amen. To listen, to listen, and hear clearer His voice in all of this confusion, and not be swept away by other voices that are not nearly as important. That's what I would say. I, that's, that's my hope. Yeah, but you know what, Father? That is so simple yet profound. And, and you know what? I'm going to just add, if you don't mind, adding a couple things to that. One, I would encourage the new year is what Father said earlier in the shore. Make a little visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe you can't do it every day, but if you're even driving past the church, I remember as a kid, just my, my mom always used to, you know, we always blessed ourselves. And she would always say, hi, Jesus and Mary, <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, you know, that's what we did. It was just normal. And so maybe if you're not doing that now, because you grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of maybe devotion to our Lord, start that devotion now by making a visit during the week and say, Mary, let me just add to that real quick. You know what? I remember one of my fond memory, uh, no. me memories of, of, uh, of being five or six or seven yeah. before going to school. Yeah. I remember driving past St. Augustine Church in South St. Paul, which was our parish. Yeah. And every time we did, my father removed his hat. Of course. Oh, every And I never, I, I thought, I didn't understand. I never, I didn't put two and two together yet. Can I, I never said anything. He just removed his hat going you know, in front of the one church. One more thing that affected me. You talk about your father. I saw my dad at home, kneeling down, saying his prayers with his hands in his face, praying, seriously praying. And you know, as a little three, four-year-old kid, you know what I realized? 
There's something more powerful than God, than uh, my dad. It's God. My dad got and even more and even more powerful than you're crying. Yes. So so you know when I saw these right. examples like your dad tipping his hat, my dad praying. Yep. This is important for our family because the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. And so strong family life and devotion. I think it's something that, again, if you're not praying the daily rosary as a family, try to do it now for the new year. This is Our Lady's World. It's a peace plan, praying the uh, the rosary. And what a great devotion that is because it's so Christ-centered, these meditations. And if you have to get out big pictures for the kids— I remember just last week, my three-year-old grandson said to me, so grandpa, we're in the car. How is it that God takes a soul to heaven? Could you explain that to me? I went, what? Oh. What? <laughs> Did you repeat the question, please, Johnny? Get, get ready Get ready for the questions he's going to ask when he turns five. I know, but he's asking, <laughs> the right, he's asking the right questions. And I think why is because we pray with him every day. And we sure. pray those prayers. So he's starting to you know, have that intellect to say, wait a minute, but how does he do it? How does it work? Yes. And so I'm just saying this is what we need to be doing for our future because this is the future of the church, these children, and they need good formation. And you know something? Else? And one other thing. I was in first and second grade. I told you this a hundred times with Sister story. Wilberta yeah, yes. at St. Augustine School. Do you know, I can tell you this honestly. Tell me. I understood the Blessed Trinity when I was seven <laughs> and eight years old better than I understand it today. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I, I it, it made total sense yeah. to me as a child. Yeah. And I thank God that that was, that was given to me as yeah. a child. Oh, yeah. Right? Important. It made sense. It's not, it's not that, no, those are too lofty uh, no. ideas or no. to be able to be understood. They're not. No. They're not. Children understand much more than and, you can imagine. And I wanted to remember that we have a resource, the Baltimore Catechism. I taught a 13-week course with my wife and Richard O'Bannon on teaching the catechism, which is so important. You might want to check it out on vmtr.org. Father Murr, how about a blessing for our, our new year? Absolutely. Absolutely, Terry. The blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost descend upon you and remain forever in a special way the beginning of this new year. Amen. And don't forget Our Lady of Fatima said it. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Think of the souls that have died without prayer for them. Let's pray for our friends, our relatives who are away from God that they may have the graces to come back. Father Murr, what state should we be living in? Arkansas. (laughs) No, 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 the state of grace. Thanks so much, Father. God love you.